Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Shut up and scroll episode 16. Joined by Kiefer Lammy. Is that Lammy? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. You're probably nice. the first person to say it right. That's good. There we go. I would have said Lammy. Yeah. Justin still says Lammy. It's okay. And of course, Taylor and JR, today we're going to talk through the release workouts for Wadapalooza Qualifier. Talk a little rogue, maybe. A little, I don't know what else, but. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. I was looking for something to pull up over us so we didn't have to sit here, but there's... (laughs) You should have pulled up what I just what yeah, I just uploaded. For sure. <laughs> Whose Google search history is worse, mine or Will's? I I feel like Yours. you have a dark dude. I feel like you have a dark history. No, I'll export it right now and send it to you. <laughs> All right, dude. Kiefer, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Kiefer, so what's your role? What what's your title with Underdogs? Uh, co-founder, assistant head coach. Nice. So you know. It's obviously it's it's Justin's baby and probably wouldn't exist because without him. But uh, we won't. Oh, thanks, Justin. But <laughs> uh, we kind of banded together to to create underdogs, and then I shortly after moved out here, and now we're just trying to build the camp. So, how many years ago did you guys start it? Two. Two. Like, yeah. Wow. It's, uh, Feels like really? it's been around for longer than that. I yeah. Th- yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Justin's been around what twelve years or so, and he's been coaching athletes for a long time, and. It was right around the time when Carrie, Bethany, and Danielle were all competing that we that we started to build underdogs. So, what is your day to day? Like, what are you helping, or kind of what's your role day to day? So, I I own pretty much in person at least. I exclusively coach the athletes we have. So every day except for their rest days, I go into the gym for you know three to five hours, coach them. And the rest of my work is almost entirely programming or based from home or calls with Justin or. Pod, trying to do podcasts and things like that. I'm lucky. Where do you do most of your programming? What's your work process like? Uh, I have like a home office space that I use or I'll go to a coffee shop for it. Sometimes I just get burnt out in my own space and I'll just be like, you know what? If I can go to a coffee shop and sit here for two hours, I'll be more productive. That's how That's how I'm going through that right now. I can't yeah. get shit done at the gym. I can't get shit done in my house. So I'm like, like I might just sit on the sidewalk on you the highway. A, you need a third done. space. I know. Yeah. So I'm, I did. A, I worked from a coffee shop today. <clears throat> I never try to get anything done at the gym. I I'm, can barely, yeah. honestly, I can barely work out at the gym half the time because I show up to work out before they do, and then by the time I get halfway into something, they start showing up and asking questions, and I, I can't disconnect from being a coach when I'm working out. Mm. I can. <laughs> <laughs> so do you mainly uh, do? Uh, programming for one-on-one or do you help with the tracks and programs like that as well no we we work on the the elite and rx and everyday underdog template tracks together so we manage all of that stuff i have a handful of so athletes i coach is that a you well. and justin collaboration on all the programming yeah when it started we just started with the elite program and our initial intention was like we wanted to there's obviously a ton of programs out there everybody's got their own version of a great product but we wanted to cater specifically specifically to a competitive group and the easiest thing we could do is essentially take what we were doing or what he was doing at the time for Carrie, Bethany, Danielle, some of the other athletes, Matt Lugos, and turn that into more of like a generalized elite competitors program. 
And so we've run with that for the last couple of years. Then we spun off an RX program, which is, you know, scaled down to the open quarterfinals level and then a few other offshoot programs from there. But what do you yeah. think? What do you think the biggest difference between a general track for an elite competitor? The biggest difference between that and like individualized programming for a competitor? What's the biggest difference? I feel like I had an, a bit of an epiphany on this the other day. I. Uh, so what my general speech to people is like, if you want to know the amount of work or the style of work that Ricky's doing to get ready for the CrossFit games through most of the season, like that's the same type of stuff that's in our template, but it's all taken under an assumption that you're a perfectly balanced, generalized athlete. So right. whereas like our template might have skill work every day of the week for something different. If you ask any one of our individual athletes, they might have three to four days of one thing and much less of another because they don't need that. So, so we that's like, work. Yeah. You know, yeah. same thing with machines, like, you know, we might generalize more foundational base building phases of machine work and touch on all the machines throughout the week. But if you're, you know, Alex or Kyra, for example, last year, who both needed to get better at running, like they ran three days a week, our template didn't run three days a week, because we don't want to assume that for everybody. Nice. What do you enjoy most programming wise? Working with uh, an athlete one on one, or yeah. being able, to, yeah. I'm so lucky though that we have so many people in house here. Like over, I used to think that I loved remote programming because I could go wherever the fuck I wanted in the world, and I could program at a coffee shop there, and I still enjoy that. But the fact that I get to work with them in person so much means that I spend less time on like having to give remote feedback or having to film something or talk about something that's like impossible to articulate over the computer. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier in person. And so I just get a lot of opportunities to tinker every day because I can write things and then I can see it and we can make changes each day. And so it's less stressful on the programming end because I'm not trying to make it as perfect because I know that I'll be there with them. What were you doing before underdogs? Uh, so I've been a strength coach pretty much since I left college, um, started with like strength and conditioning for more traditional sports, worked a lot with baseball players, basketball, other field sports. Um, and then, you know, Right around the time of COVID, I started working at Invictus Boston, and I was coaching in the affiliate full-time, started programming for the affiliate. Uh, I did and still do work for Black Iron Nutrition. I was doing some nutrition coaching, and then I was writing their training template programs there. Um, and then that's right about the time when Justin and I connected because, you know, I was working and training with Tola and Kelsey, who were at Invictus Boston at the time. They were both working with Justin, and so I sort of, like, entered into the competitive realm via them and then have picked up with that since what's the difference obviously there's a huge difference but for you fun wise between your strength and conditioning days programming for that versus yeah. programming for cross crossfit athletes like what are the biggest differences you see or is it more enjoyable because of yeah. more variance or it's like it's like the perfect blend of being the coach for the sport and being the strength coach mm -hmm. so i like this the most because it's the most engaging for me like you know, I played college basketball, so I love to work with basketball guys in the weight room, but it's always just like a piece of the puzzle for them. So either their engagement's not that, not that high or my reward from it's not that high because I could help them as much as I want in the weight room. But if they're just not skilled or not intelligent on the basketball floor, it doesn't matter. But with CrossFit, it's like, okay, I can build their capacity. I can build their strength. And we get to talk about like sport practice. We get to talk about strategy and everything at the same time. Would you rather program for individuals or a group or program competitions? I think individuals or groups. Like as Justin and I go through the process right now of programming for 
a pretty big event in Egypt coming up. It's kind of like their oh, Wadapalooza event. You guys yeah. are doing Elfit. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. And it's like, and it's awesome. And they have a ton of resources and a really cool team. And the people running it also have their own equipment distributor, so they can build some stuff for us. But like, as you guys have found out too, like there are inherent limitations to what you can do. Uh, and so there's like a kind of a stop on your creative mind for that, or you know, you want to do something, but the time domain has to be different for a different reason. But it's a fun problem. But I prefer being on the athlete end of it because like I'm past the point of thinking that I can compete with anything that I'm doing at this point. But the idea of getting people ready to compete and being on the sidelines to to like cheer them on still gets me really fired up. Do you know who programmed that competition last year? I don't. Because uh, I, yeah. I would love to know because I mean there was some there were some pretty cool formats, some some cool workouts. Like I I just remember the horizontal pegboard. Yeah. And that being something mm. that was a little bit nuanced, but also something that wasn't too far fetched as far as what what the progression of climbing or hanging movements could be. I just thought it was really interesting. I was curious yeah. if you knew who who programmed it. No, it's a huge event. They do a good job. And like I said, they they kind of have some free liberty to build stuff themselves or get access to it. And so um, it's definitely been cool. Like, you know, we get to go off site. They have multiple stages for things. They have a soccer field and a tennis stadium and, you know, beach and pool access. So it's about as much as we could ask for, for an event that doesn't probably have the money that like a Wadapalooza or something else does. Sure. If you had the choice to program for an individual or only individuals or a general track one or the other, which would it be? The individuals. Because I'm the opposite. I think, uh, well, you probably run into this too, but you may feel differently about it. Is like, I can feel as I can feel as great as I could possibly feel about the template program, but I know <laughs> that it's not perfect for any person that's on it. Mm. And I think that's so hard. Is like people will ask questions in our chat about it. I'm sure they do for you. They're like, oh, like I can't do this thing, or oh, um, you know, I didn't improve on my score for this thing. And I want to be like, well, it's like maybe this just wasn't you needed something 5% different or you needed a little bit of like the self-awareness to know like, Oh, when I see this show up, I should probably work on this instead. Or, Oh my, you know, like I'm great on a bike, but I'm a terrible runner. Like maybe I should sub one of my bike days out and get on a runner again, you know? So for me, it's a frustration because I want it to be perfect. And I think that, you know, even from a lens of template program, we can feel really good about it, but I know that it's not the same service that one-on-one coaching is. Mm. I, I, I feel like I like the general track better because it, while it is a program that would suit a lot of athletes that categorize them as elite, I think that if you are upper end of semifinals, you should probably have individualized coaching. There's yeah. not going to be a general track that's, that's there for you. I think if you're not upper end semifinals, either you're on the way to that or are you the person who generally ha who, who genuinely has a chance to make it to the games? And if you're not, I, I was thinking about this the other day, like what kind of person who isn't truly going to make the games or that's not a realistic goal for them. They're still super fit. How reasonable is it for me to expect them to destroy, like really just run themselves into the dirt on weaknesses as much yeah. as it takes or as much as you would. As much as I would. It, right. That's probably the key. Yeah. As much as I would. I, uh, no, I get it. I mean, that's brutal. Listen, our template track is awesome. And I think that for people that are like quarterfinals level and trying to get ready for a semifinals run, I think that's great. I think that there's no question that there's an individualized feel of 
even if that's just the feedback that you get or, or teaching them more about how to pace workouts, that's always going to be a little bit better, but you get no community feel. That's like the first conversation we have when people try to do it and intake form with us. And we have a call talking about one-on-one coaching is I'm like, what's your gym environment like? Are you going to be off in the corner by yourself now training? Does that bug you? Would you rather train with a group? And that's, you know, we have a ton of people in the Oceania region that, that do our stuff. And some of them are like knocking on the door to the game. Some of them are mid-level semifinals and a bunch of them still mostly follow our template track. And then we just have calls with them on a weekly basis to talk about like, yeah. well, we could, you know, think about doing this because they prefer to train as a pod than to train isolated. Right, right, right. That's so, that's so huge. Like I, it, got, it takes me back to like the Maliolo Hobart, like who you're, how you're doing it and who you're doing it with is arguably yeah. more important than what you're doing. I think that, I think if you have the right environment and the right intensity, like that to me probably comes first. That's sent, you know, basing it off the assumption that you're not doing something completely fucking stupid, mm-hmm. but you have great intensity and a really good environment. That's probably takes priority over exactly what you're doing. But if you have those two things, then what you're doing is super important as well. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. Rogue. Talking about Tia. Waterpalooza first before you go on your rants. <laughs> yeah, let's do Waterpalooza. How, how many of those came out today so far? The last two. two. So Is there a two scored one? No. It's just five total. Just five scores. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. It's like uh it's like an open. Five scores. So what's the process for this? People have been doing this it's multi week or it's two week, two week, right? Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Week one had three scores, week two has two more scores. Top twenty will qualify into elite. Next twenty RX. I presume after that, that it's first come first serve for signing up for what used to be intermediate and is now like their community division. Right. How much of a punch to the fucking dick is it? If you are like, you consider yourself an elite athlete and you qualify for Wadapalooza RX, but not elite. I was, I had this conversation with a couple people recently because I think that they're what they, what we're used to considering is like an RX division is not what a Wadapalooza's RX is anymore. It's right, like right, right. a games competition and a semifinals competition, essentially. Right. Gi won RX, Wadapalooza. I think the year before he yeah. went to the games for the first time as an individual. Um, if you look at the leaderboard right now, I mean, we can pull it up. I think 21 through 40 has several semifinals athletes, like from this year. When you think- so there's only going to be a field of 20 in RX? No, I, think, I, I, yeah. think the, I think the other – yeah, yeah, 20 for RX, and then I imagine 40, you would for think, elite? for elite. Yeah. And that's so. If you think about that, even just that, there's if there's 40 in elite, that's essentially a games field. So you have what? Just from North America alone, we have 80 more semifinalists that could potentially be in a field for 20 spots for an RX division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right. you you like have to take your ego out of that when you think that RX is beneath you or something, and say that's okay if you don't want to sign up for the community division if you don't make it. But to say like you suck if you make RX instead of elite is tough. I also think it's odd because there are going to be athletes in the elite field that get invitations that aren't as good as some of the athletes that qualify into the RX field potentially. Yeah. Well, that probably plays into the programming too. I thought, uh, it's just, I feel like because they made this change, this is a super interesting year for the qualifier because you have to figure out a way to make it suitable for everybody. Cause it's just one qualifier, but you yep. also have to figure out a way to separate people. It's like, this is essentially trying to qualify from the open straight to semifinals right now. Dude, I just realized I don't have my Instagram handle as my as my name. You're screwed, dude. 
Fuck Instagram. Just kidding. You missed out on two. It followers. makes me it makes me want to like go out, like log out and come back. I got, hold on, guys. Let me change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, Max Krieg, Carone, Matthias Porter. Who's that? Evan Rogers. All those guys are top are like top thirty semifinalists. The Carolina boy, Cat, uh, Evan. Drake Lewis and Andre Strands are both semifinals guy. Will Leahy. <clears throat> Tanner went on a team this year. Ethan Helbig. Muscarella. I mean, yeah, there's there's yeah, there's a ton of and I mean, without the two scores at the end, I mean things could shift a lot, but you would imagine the guys in the top ten will probably stay there unless they've got a gaping hole. How many people do you have on site that are doing these keeper? Wait, wait, slower, slower, uh, go up, go up a little bit. I missed like the maybe five or six right now. Less than we've had in the past, actually. I think a couple of people are planning to do team. A couple of people who just have other events coming up this off season, but most of our younger females are doing them right now. And then a couple of masters, a couple of teens. Yeah. Can we go up to the top 20 for the women? Are we going to talk about the leaderboard at all? Dude, this has got to change. There are some crazy names outside the top 20 and some crazy names well, within the top 20. What did this girl snatch? 191 that's crazy i was thinking this too and i assumed my thought was that week two had to have more opportunities for separation because week one essentially was a max lift which is going to have outliers no matter what mm -hmm. and then two workouts that are largely just long work capacity open style workouts where load and skill were mostly irrelevant for people like it's not enough chest to bar in that one workout for it to make a difference and the not other workout bar on the other one. Yep. And you don't really even get to the, the heavier barbell until you're so deep in the workout that it's, mm -hmm. it's almost irrelevant except for separating people that were already going to be in the top 20. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but seeing Rebecca in sixth with one out of three, just being a pure max is really yeah. impressive to me. That is impressive. Um, that being said, I feel pretty strongly that like workouts one and three are largely the same thing. Yeah, they're based on, I mean, some of the top times were almost 15 minutes for that chipper, even though it was a, you know, 20 minute time cap. Uh, and then based on how athletes felt after, I feel like they all had almost the exact same feeling at the end of those this workouts. Really, really similar stimulus, not yeah. a ton of, and like you said, you know, looking for skill to separate after these first three workouts and not really getting it. I don't, and it's also weird because looking now, uh, to be honest, I did not do a thorough review of all five workouts, but looking at the last two, I'm like, wow, yeah, those are pretty similar too. Like, I what thought, you, like, I what? Was, my, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm just thinking, like, what are you testing with 45 handstand pushups and deadlifts, and then what are you testing with dumbbell lunges and dumbbell shoulder overhead? Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of did that week one when the, you know, the front squat workout came out. I was like, cool. It was like, there's no way they're going to have wall balls or something. And not only right. did they have them, they had them in the next workout the same week. Right. So I almost right. feel like maybe it was intentional that on the same weeks they gave you similar stimuli so that you have to question whether or not you can redo them or like what the, what the risk reward is of that because you're smashing the same parts of your body. Do you think they thought that hard, JR? Be honest. Uh, I'm a little bit more curious as to <laughs> why there wasn't um, a progression style workout with skill being the limitation. That's so we oh, literally like that. talked about that last yeah. week is, you know, deadlifts and handstand pushups made a lot of sense because we had wall space, didn't necessarily have like, didn't know if we were going to have walking room. We hadn't done, you know, barbell hinging. I was like, Oh, like 
we actually said like, oh, a Diane type of thing would be cool. Maybe they'll have it so that it goes from handstand pushups to strict to wall facing. And I think that would provide a lot more room for separation. Yeah, I, I was just I, you're looking at the last two. I, I was talking to a guy that is doing them at the gym and I was like, well, you would think they're going to have the rings. Last year they did burpee muscle up. Probably won't do that again. But typically there's a skill in there that will that will at least take care of some bottlenecks or just some people who are skating by that aren't very skilled, but because there's no rope on the equipment list and because there aren't ring muscle ups, I, I don't know. I mean, this, it feels a lot more old school, open general work capacity. Like, I mean, even the bottlenecks, I think on, on the 12 minute air map, I haven't broken it down yet for time, but like, I wonder, is it going to be who can get back to the rope for another round that just really starts to separate themselves in that workout? Yeah. Do we know who programmed? Is are they doing it internally this year? They had a team of people internally that did it. Weren't you guys involved with it last yeah. year? Yeah, they had like four, four or five camps total last year that came together for them. This year, they did it all internally because I think it was easier for them. I think, from my understanding, is they they have the majority of the on-site event done already as well, and so it just gave them more congruency to plan everything out. So when I heard that, my thought was like, cool. Kind of like how JR talked about, like, this makes it so much easier to essentially use your qualifier to test for movements that you want to be able to have people prepared for. Like, if I want people it's to do screen. pegboards, yeah. yeah, it's a screen for it. If I want pegboards, then I want to make sure people can do legless. Here, it's like, you haven't tested anything that might be relevant for a high skill test of Wadapalooza, which is something that they're pretty known for doing more mm -hmm. than a couple of. Yeah, like the year I went, they did that uh, online workout that was the toe-to-bar devil's press ladder, was it? Yeah. Yeah. 10 to 1. Final, yeah, yeah and then the final was the 55-55. Dumb workout. I like broke my palm on that workout from slamming the dumbbells down on the ground. <laughs> 55 reps in a row. Just When I do devil's press, I don't lower them in between my legs and then swing them forward. I just ride the dumbbell straight from overhead to the ground. So like the front head of the dumbbell hits and then the back head hits and it kind of bounces up and hits me in the palm right here. You remember that JR? I couldn't do like, I couldn't handstand walk or something for like two or three months. after. Uh, that. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, <laughs> do we know who programmed this year? Is it, did Guido do it again? We Guido, Guido. To the best of my understanding, it wasn't Guido. It was like a group of their team. So it was like Dylan okay. and some other people on the team internally. Gotcha. <laughs> so the, so the same people who are doing the qualifier are also programming the in-person. Correct. That's yeah. good. Do we have, it kind of sounds like from hearing Dylan talk that they're kind of planning on releasing workouts early this year because oh, cool. they want, I'm just, that might be speculation based on what he said, because they're working with the PFAA, right? And I think they're trying to convince people to do individual and teams again, which it mm. seems like a lot of people were out on after last year because of the volume, oh. which made <laughs> that, that's what made me believe that they were going to try to be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. We're ramping down the volume. That's that's probably smart if they want the same name power, right? Yeah. Did you guys like that format last year? I thought it was cool just because it was it felt a little bit more old school. Like in the beginning when I started CrossFit 12, 13, you it see it felt like most competitions, like weekend throwdowns, would be individual one day, team the next day, and the same people who were like top 10 would be competing on teams on Sunday. So they would just try to win both of them. It felt a little bit more like that, which was kind of cool, like an old school fashion. But again, you just have to be very careful with loading, total volume, all that kind of stuff, movement redundancies, um, you know, or else people get hurt. What was y'all's experience with that, Kiefer? 
with your athletes? I thought it was awesome. I mean, Ricky, Ricky did both and he had a blast, but he's the kind of guy, like I think a lot of the people that do it are, if they're like more opportunities to compete, the better for him. I don't even mm-hmm. think he cares or thinks about what the work movements are or what the volume is. Like he just wants more opportunities to do that. And I think this is the best opportunity to see see the like the better name known athletes, the ones that we like to watch compete, do it more frequently and for longer. I think if you ask them to choose between individual and team because they're both three days, then neither competition is exciting as last year was having both of them. Yeah. Did any of them leave? Uh, athletes you worked with leave the weekend being like, I'm never doing both again. I don't think so. I think yeah. everyone, all of our athletes that did both last year are doing, trying to do both again this year. Nice. You want to look at anything else on the, these workouts? Are we going to analyze them? I mean, let, well, let's pull them up. Just, I, yeah. Pull first workout. I don't, we, I don't even think we put them all on the screen yet. Let's just do a quick run through. Two minute, two minute cap per workout. JR, you get the first workout. I'll get the next. Kiefer gets the one after, and then we'll go on that. Perfect. One, I'll two, get three. the one that doesn't exist. Oops. That's good. <laughs> the sixth. No, that's perfect. That's you can double the sixth. You can take the sixth. I don't need to take it. Uh, that's workout five. How do I mess this up? How do I oh, get myself off the screen? Yeah, work, uh, workout four is uh, it's just like a choose your own adventure, Diane. Right. All right, JR. Yeah, yeah it's a 15 minute AMRAP, 10x642. And with each round, the barbell load increases, as Kiefer alluded to early on. Even with 15 minutes, the loading doesn't really become relevant until the workout's almost over. So at this point, it's like squat cycle side, squat cycle time speed, staying unbroken on toes to bar, which even through three rounds is only 90. It's not a crazy amount of volume, but like you spoke to also, doing the same workouts for everyone, I'm sure was really challenging. So in that respect, for a lot of athletes, especially in the community division, even getting through 60 toes to bar and getting to the third barbell is probably still yeah. a pretty tall ask. So um, this one, I think, just really comes down to um, general work capacity. Like it really right. doesn't favor skill, doesn't favor loading, it just favors work capacity. It'll be interesting if like this workout, you wouldn't expect it to be the lift. Uh, you could probably make an argument for um, the mm, for the lunge workout, but I think this one, might actually give you a better indication of who ends up qualifying. Like if you look at the finishes on this workout, juxtaposed to the entire competition, mm-hmm. you'll probably see similar people that excelled on this one be the ones that get through. It's a good balance. Next workout two. Can't wait to dissect this one. What do I dissect? Uh, I typically don't like single modality tests, but I thought this complex was really cool, especially the tiebreak of max overhead squats. I think the only mark that I have is you've got squatting in workout one, squatting in workout two, and then when you go to the third workout, it'll be more squatting, which I'm not partial to like that much redundancy, I would say. I feel like you have you love you love high volume squat tests i do but i did but i but i don't like the fact that there's five events and it just seems like there's so much redundancy within that when i feel like you should have a bit of a broader stroke when testing for things that being said i didn't know that the qualifier work like when i we see the qualifier i'm thinking just elite in my head i didn't know the qualifier workouts were the exact same for all divisions i can't even imagine trying to program for that like that would just be a fucking nightmare it's tough um I like it. I like that though. I like the first one. 
I think the first one's cool. I think the first one's very transition-y. Like you're just moving yep. between things back and forth a ton, which is like typical for some open workouts. This one I like for a max lift. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think if you're going to do a max lift, having it be some version of a snatch and something that's a complex and requires you to hold onto the bar is good. Right. I think, I mean, I get what you're saying about all three being having a squat involved, but the squat's probably the least relevant piece of this after like your technique, your overhead, and then probably your grip, honestly, by the yeah. third rep. So how does the tie break work for this max overhead squats? So yeah. it's your weight. If you get the same weight on the one snatch plus two hang snatches, so you do a full snatch from the floor, then two hang snatches, power squat, whatever, most everyone's squatting. After you finish your second hang snatch, you hold onto the bar and you squat it as many times as possible so that anybody who ties your weight, like that's, so say me and Guy both tie, which is pretty realistic, um, <laughs> then, <laughs> then whoever squats it more times is going to break that tie. So if we both hit 275 and he squats it 10 times and I squat it zero times, he takes the tie break. Interesting. Which is cool. I like that. But are, are, so are people doing multiple attempts in this five-minute window or because it's five minutes, if it's you miss it, like, you're like, oh, we'll read it. It's probably like two, maybe. I would say one. Like, I don't know how you would do even more than one. You don't even need attempt. to. Because yeah. yeah. you just restart your clock. The, right. the right. guidelines for Waterpalooza were so much easier. If you missed your first attempt, you could just stop the clock, do your intro again, unload your bar, and start over. Like right. The cost of redoing is just starting with an empty bar. Because yeah. it seems like with that tie break, if you're going to do the tie break, you're not going to do another attempt. Yeah. Correct. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you do it right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mike Halpin's in the comments. Oh, sorry. Hike Malpin. Hike Malpin. Third workout. Yep. Um, so I actually really like this workout, like ascending rep scheme format, bunch of different movements involved, get a one minute rest after each round that allows you to reset. Honestly, it probably just made it easy for them on being able to see monitors for rowing each time. But I think the rest is the rest is sort of a trap as is the ascending rep scheme. It makes you feel like you can come out much faster than you can. I think every athlete that I had redo this, went probably 10, 15% slower on the first round and got a minute faster by the end of the workout. Mm. Cause it really just comes down to like what pace overall you can maintain in the set of 20 and the set of 25. I think at the, at the highest end, it was a little more of an output workout than if you were to compare it to the, you know, the front squat burpee, uh, total bar workout, because you can put out a little bit better on the row. You can put out a little bit more on the box jump overs and your cycle speed on the snatch. But in the middle realm, it was very much just another like general work capacity fitness test for most people. Did you see one of the four movements? I'm sorry, one of the five movements seemed to matter more than the yeah. rest. Because like I look at it on yeah. paper and before you even answer, and that's probably just because I'm old and I'm a little bit more cautious. But like I see the box jump over at that at right. those heights, which you typically don't see unless it's a mandatory step down or even like a clear. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, like unless unless I train was. unless I train 30 inch bounding all the time, there's no mm -hmm. way I'm doing that in this workout. And I was wondering if like that seemed like the slowest movement because yeah. you're always starting with the calories after a rest, so you can kind of hammer down on it a little bit. Is, is that what you saw? The box jumps kind of matter more? Or was yeah, it I would say the, 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 by far the most important movement was the box jump overs because you could lose so much time on it. And on the higher end, like if you could cycle them, which is probably easier for the women than the men because 24 for women is not as dramatic as 30 for some of the guys, I think, 
or at least from the athletes I saw. I agree. That was a big separator. And then from there, it was how well did you pace? And does that mean you can hold on to the dumbbell? Because the, those dumbbell snatch breaks could take a long time if it's because you have to, because you're totally blown up at the end. But right. for most people, like the difference between rowing at 1200 and rowing at 1400 in terms of time over nothing. 60 total cows is nothing in the workout. Yeah. The cost of a break on a wall ball or a chest of bar is, could be five seconds or 10 seconds, mm -hmm. but you could, you could do 20 box jump overs in 50 seconds, or you could do it in three minutes if you're fucked up in the middle of yeah. a workout. Yeah. So that was where most of it went. We did like, we charted out the each round time for the number of reps and like what that was as a pace. And so many people I'd see like 24 reps a minute in the first round, 19 in the second round, and like 14 reps a minute in the third round. And we were talking about a round that takes three minutes longer to begin with and you're eight reps a minute slower. That's two or three minutes on your workout. Massive. Yeah. Sure. And it is kind of new. It, it is nuanced. I've never seen it counted, I guess, like this before, yeah. but I really like that there's 120 snatches. Yeah. Because right, left is one, as opposed to just doing 15, 20, 25. It makes that movement matter a little bit more. Yeah. If you're really good at chest to bar, cycle time, by far the fastest movement. Then next would be the snatch, but you got to do two to one, which I which I think is good, especially finishing the interval. Mm -hmm. This the uh, our my athlete said like the feel on this was very similar to the burpee box jump over dumbbell snatch open workout. Oh wow like net way nastier than they thought it would be great workout yeah next workout next for time back to me i was actually talking to zach about this and he's he probably has close to 50 if not more like current open standard strict handstand push-ups unbroken um he's it's actually great. not to the current open standard either what is it i don't know if you guys saw it they're using the 40 inch box oh okay. fuck me dude that's awesome <laughs> so like it's even easier so even yeah so even for him this would be like he could even take way more advantage of his anthropometrics i i asked him i was like dude what what do you think about what, what do you think about just opening up with 45 strict unbroken and then just and then just deal with the deadlifts when you're tired even if you're pulling single after single after single after single or like do you think you can go 21, 15, nine and go touch and go unbroken and still keep the strict unbroken? Because I think at the elite level and you guys can push back on me, especially, I think most of the guys that do well on this know they probably have to do at least a big chunk yeah. of strict just because of time. There's I just asked, not enough time in this workout to separate. We, uh, we chatted with Carrie about this yesterday, Carrie Pierce, because we actually have like one of the tips videos coming out and she's in it for us. And she, she has, 60 strict unbroken i think she's done 50 strict in like under 40 seconds she's, it's just that's her movement and i think she said what she would try to do like 45 deadlifts or sorry 25 deadlifts all 45 handstand push-ups in the last 20 deadlifts so she could try to stay unbroken on those two i feel like that's a bad idea unless you're like maybe her at handstand oh, push-ups 100 because i'm like I, I was thinking about it, i was like god opening up with the deadlifts would just murder my ability to do handstand push-ups yeah. and i'm pretty good at handstand push-ups so i would i would just think like what jr said open up with a massive set of handstand pushups if all 45 and, and then, then just figure the it out but yeah. what I, I yeah i don't know i mean i think for most people that makes has, more sense yeah yeah but the 45 deadlifts also in a row like that has the yeah. potential to get like just dumb so i i almost feel like maybe you open up with 15 deadlifts which at 225 for a guy is really not much at all and then go handstand pushups 
why not start with handstand push-ups while you're fresh though like what if you just did diane uh, but flipped it and you go handstand push-up uh, and deadlift i'm just thinking of my capacity like yeah. i i know i can do 45 handstand push-ups i'm broken no problem and i think it wouldn't make much of a difference if it was fresh or after 15 deadlifts like i don't think 15 deadlifts would hinder my capacity to do a set of 45 i do like 25 kip uh 25 strict and then 20 kipping and then go and finish the last set of 30 i think is way more manageable than a set of 45 deadlifts i'm just thinking like yeah. okay you get to 35 and then you just get fucking blown out <laughs> yeah and while this while this format is definitely not conducive to watching in an in-person competition it's no. really cool for like for a qualifier as far as a format goes but I was because about there, there are yeah. people that are doing the community division that may just do 15 rounds of three and three because oh, if, right. awesome. if, yeah. if they don't they're not going to be able to do any more handstand push-ups so i mean and it is cool like remember for the uh age group quarterfinals this year a lot of people saw the muscle up thruster workout and said oh everyone's just going to do their unbroken set of rings maybe do one extra in case they get a no rep because if you didn't get all of them maybe they would disqualify you and then they're just going to do max thrusters for five minutes. But that's not, that's not what the best people did. This is for, it goes for my advice too. It's like, uh, yeah, how to, to fuck clear, yourself up. <laughs> we were just talking about people that are uniquely gifted at the movements. I don't she think anybody else should try it. Freakazoid. Uh, this is the first workout. Like I don't really mind that Wadapalooza is, is openly not going to review every video that comes in, but this is the first workout that feels funky on that to me because you could have infinite number of strategies oh that people God. use and infinite number of ways that people do not do 45 reps on each movement. Do you remember that one dude who did that, uh, that Diane video? It was like a sub something Diane. He was like a regional athlete, bubble regional athlete. It was, this had to have been like one of Hiller's first like fucking attacks. This is like Hiller's first like draw my sword and fucking cut somebody's head off. From, from Wadapalooza qualifier? Mm, no i don't because he made a video last year about a guy that did the toes to no. bar deadlift at that's a different guy yeah. this is a, this is a different dude and it was it was maybe a year before like another year before that god i can't remember his fucking name he had been to regionals a couple times or at least it qualified but like he made a diane video of like maybe it was like a sub one minute diane like a 57 <laughs> second diane or something and and Hiller was like, this is impossible. And they pulled the video up and it was just like all shit reps. That's what like I would expect out of this workout. Yeah, this like, is this yeah. is potentially this is potentially a um a judging nightmare for sure. And when there's gonna be such little separation between mm -hmm. times on the leaderboard, you're gonna have what you like you reasonably have to look at 80 to hundred scores because those are all going to be relevant for how people place and what, what happens to the people that finish top 40 or top 20 overall. That's a lot of rep counting to come up with. We tried to do this for our qualifier for elephant and we ended up coming up with like three or four standardized versions. So it was kind of choose your own adventure, but like within our parameters. So at least we knew what we were judge what we were scoring. I wonder why they wouldn't just say, Strict handstand pushups for elite and RX kipping for everyone else. I, I mean, I feel like that would still make it a, it would create more room for separation. But at the same time, there's already like no pulling in this qualifier. I don't know. I see this workout too. And I, I like, I immediately start to think about what they're going to do for the team stuff. And if they're going to make them very similar or if they're going to make them completely different. And I see this workout and I'm like, athlete one. Five rounds of nine and nine, then athlete two, hmm. three rounds of 15, 15, then athlete three, 45, 45. Yeah. You just don't want to be the last guy <laughs> to have to go 45, 45.
but yeah it's like uh so many ways you can do it like you're saying it like it seems to be the one that should and needs to be reviewed all right next do you think uh anybody is going to go like sub 130 on that that's fast 60 reps a minute yep Ah, i don't know honestly i feel like sign up that Roe could smash and do something like that yeah and she's already right yeah, she's already she's already first right now for the first three. Like, if I'm her, awesome. I look at both of these workouts and I'm stoked. I feel like maybe not the lunge as much. But... Sub one thirty, but I don't know. I don't know about anybody. Maybe is is how good is Jake? Uh, Berman's not signed up for the sizzy. No. no, Austin's in the field though. Hatfield, he's a similar build. Um, again, I mean, again, I don't know. Have much to say on the on this workout aside from the fact that it's a pretty similar time domain to the fifteen AM rap, pretty similar time domain ish. It's over 10 minutes at least. Um, and it's more legs, more shoulders. I, just, I, I don't know. To me, it's just there's a lot of like, there's a lack of pulling, like generally to me, none ish. I don't know. 60 chest to bar. I mean, I don't yeah. know. 150 toe to bar. Do you really? I don't call that pull. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I think for most people, they're not coming close to doing five rounds of the 10, 8, 6, 4, 2. So right. that's, they're not coming close to, to that many toes to bar. Um, but this workout, like this workouts who can keep their dubs unbroken, or at least who can take breaks that are purposeful and only take like a one, 1000 and keep going. I mean, do that math. Just if you go one minute and then another minute for the dumbbell work, that's six rounds, 600 dubs right there. And 25 feet, it's 10 seconds. And another 25 feet, it's 10 seconds. The 15 shoulder overhead we'll probably will have a planned break. I would think that's where people will plan a break, but like it's a, it's a lot of grip intensity, a lot of shoulder fatigue. Yeah. Odd. Uh, I think what this is, listen, if you're going to Wadapalooza guys, don't worry. If you're bad at muscle ups or legless, you're not going to have them because they didn't test it in the qualifier. That, <laughs> yeah. That's the only, like, I think they're all cool workouts on their own. I think they're, they're like good workouts, tough workouts, but that's the hardest thing to me is like, if you're not going to test any strict gymnastics, any high skill gymnastics for a competition that regularly has bar ring, bar muscle ups, ring muscle ups, legless, strict deficit handstand push ups, it just seems like you're potentially not getting the best field you could have there. Now, like counter that with quarterfinals this year that was essentially all bottleneck by high skill. Right. So it's interesting is like I had this have to have this conversation with some of my athletes. Like I have young athletes that made it to semifinals because they're very highly skilled, but they're not as good at open style tests. And that same sort of person is going to struggle to even come close to a qualification spot for here. So it's just totally different set of tests. Sure. Would you rather have an athlete that is, Oh, really high skilled, but not developed in like that open style grunt work capacity, or would you rather have an athlete that has just like a, massive gift to hurt a ton but hasn't developed all the skills yet to me it depends on how capable they are of develop, yeah. developing the skills like are they really athletic yeah. and they just haven't done it enough because then i'm taking that guy that's i i have both actually i would say if they're if they're capable and it's just like underdeveloped they haven't had the time they didn't right. come from a gymnastics background as a female so they just need more right. time to get stronger i think that one's fun yeah but i think that if i had to objectively choose i would rather have the athlete that is 
strong and skilled that we can work on those other things because there's so many workouts where it's like this binary, can you do this or can you not? And you'll move on if you can. And you're more gated or more limited by whether or not you can get through 15 muscle-ups than you are about how fit you're going to be in the rest of the workout. Do you have, do you think it's harder to develop strength and a skill or harder to develop the ability to hurt in an athlete that doesn't, that isn't good at it or doesn't want it as much? I'll let you know in another year. <laughs> I'll let myself know. I never dude. God. What do you think? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. It um, is tough. I, so yeah, they're both hard. It's, I think it's, it's so, I, I don't think it's black and white. I think it depends on the individual. There are people who can like adapt to things so quickly. And it's like, wow, like teaching this person to do a muscle up is cake or getting this person strong for whatever reason is a whole lot easier than it is for somebody else people who are like just not going to pick up on that stuff ever they're so like uh, frustratingly unathletic or just not uh able to able to pick up on things and then you have athletes where you show them how to hurt bad once and they're like oh my god they're addicted to it and then you have it's like you're just like pulling teeth trying to get them to get intensity yeah what do you like jr or what do you what do you have more success with? Or oh you... no, give me give give me the guy that's already strong enough, or the yeah. girl that's already strong enough. Because getting strong enough for some people is they're still on a ten year journey to do it, yeah. and it's like it just strength typically, unless you just adapt really well to it, takes so much longer. Like I can I can take someone who's just okay, that's really strong and skilled, and like get them to a decent level of capacity or just teach them how to manufacture scores. Cause I think that's like a, a, a skill and like an idea that people really don't grasp. Like you can take someone that's fitter than me and just give us a workout and tell us to do it. And I can beat them because I know how to work out. Like mm-hmm. sometimes people are fit and then sometimes people are fit and they know what they're doing, but like I can manufacture really good scores because I'm like, okay, that's where he's going to blow up. I'm not going to blow up then because I know better. And I'm just going to like take this break right here for five seconds. And every break on every round is going to be five seconds. And his are going to be unbroken, unbroken, five, seven, nine, 11, 23 seconds. And I'm going to yeah. beat him. Like, it's like, it's a, it's a, what kind of coaching do you have around you? What kind of person do you have around you that say, no, 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 here are your splits. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, trust me, these are your splits because on the last round, you're going to fall apart. And I just know that because I watch you all the time. I'm like, so you, not like that. Yeah. That's because you're. Are you you're are you describing Jason? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking about a lot of people in my gym that like do the open, and like are really fit or not really really fit. But I'm like, hey, just do the toes to bar and singles. Like, what do you mean? I can do fives. So I was like, yeah, but you're gonna do fives through twenty after the row. And then you're going to start resting 15 seconds in between each set of five. Just do singles for 50. I promise you, you'll get more reps. Like it's that kind of thing. You know, it's just like self-awareness. It's not about how long you're working in a workout. It's about how long you're not resting. Have you seen the movie, the Patriot? Yes. The old classic Mel Gibson. I'm sitting in a rocking chair right now. That reminds me of the opening scene of that movie. It's my grandma's old rocking chair and it's so nice. But like every time I move, it like creaks. and I feel like I'm just going to fucking eat it in a second. Anyways, uh, Rogue, maybe Tia. Yeah. You like maybe Can we two- pull up that comment that that one person made about Tia that one time? 
Do you know what I'm talking about, Will? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go dig for it. Okay. Uh, Kiefer, there was this video of Tia running on the track, and I guess she was um, – never mind. We'll just save it for the chat. This is this, <laughs> hey. this is just for a different show, dude. We're a little more we – Hey, you guys here. do Rogue. I'll listen in. I got to go pick up Lily from school. Okay. All right. See you guys. See you, dude. Enjoy. <sighs> so, Rogue. Kiefer, yeah. what athletes do you have doing Rogue? Uh, we have four. We so Ricky Garrard and Alex Kazan, and then uh, Bailey Martin and Kyra Milligan. So two of them work directly under Justin, two directly under me, but all you know are athletes. Is Ky- Kyra's your girlfriend, right? Yeah. And then are you guys? Are you? Is she directly under you or Justin? Me. How is that? How is like coaching your girlfriend? What's it like? Uh, it's like working twenty four hours a day. Okay, my like wife always do shit. No. I tell her to do. It's a. Like, it's been about- good. It works <laughs> su- surprisingly well. We've definitely like had our disagreements about it. I'd say that coaching her works better. Coaching her is fine. Sometimes remembering that she is not my only athlete is the challenge. Right. Mm. I I like feel like Lizzie probably is more apt to listen to Will on what workout to do like <laughs> on a given day than me. I'll like give her something. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay. That's funny. Um, I don't it? understand how Tia and Shane, like, I wonder what their dynamic is. I feel like at this point, are they all business? I guess they're not. They just had a baby. You know, they had to get that thing somehow. But <laughs> What was it like coaching Kyra whenever she was on the Mayhem team? Like, how did that work programming for her? It was a, I would consider myself a supportive role at that point. Like, okay. I programmed all of her individual stuff when she was home. When she was at Mayhem, if it was like an individual, primarily individual training day, I would I would make adjustments to her training, but still try to like keep it within the realm of their stuff, so that she was still training with the group. And then the rest of the time is just she was kind of doing her thing with the team. So gotcha. it was hard, and that it's like uh, I was like just on the outside looking in, and I can't give as much input for the whole team as I want. But yeah, it's all right. And then is your other athlete Bailey? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. How excited is Ricky to get back out there? Uh, I think like Ricky's going to be shot out of a cannon when he gets there. He's so stoked. Not only does he just love to compete so much, but I think the fact of what the workouts at Tory or at semifinals and what the workouts were at the games were, like how things turned out, he's just fucking itching to get it back out there and be involved with it. And I, I would think, say, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, how ready? How ready do you think he's going to be for Rogue? What's your biased that, pick for him to finish? I th- so what did he finish last year? Seventh or something? I think last year's finish was a combination of a couple of things. One, a test as heavy as Rogue inherently has some things that don't fall into his wheelhouse as much as the games did that season. Two, if anybody like saw Ricky by the end of the games week or in the weeks after, I think that his return to the games and the amount of energy he expelled through that whole thing really kind of trashed him in terms of what he needed to recover and ramp back up for Rogue. So I would say like a fresh Ricky, uh, like he's going to be for this, that's peaked for it. I would be shocked if you were not top three, and I would not be surprised at all to see him win it. Well, I think that in every way except for certain movements that affect his shoulder, he's 100%, maybe 102% Ricky. And I think if the shoulder can get back to mm-hmm. you know 90% by then, and he can just manage whatever comes up for that, that he's going to be fucking dangerous. Well, can we pull the leaderboards up or are they up or does spin have like a graphic on a Instagram? Of like, spin yeah, just put out the fields. The fields? Yeah. yeah, that'd be dope. 
So is it more of a regaining full strength in the shoulder? It's not a matter of, or. Yeah, it's been, he's been working with an awesome PT and obviously like he is one of the few people that gets to kind of operate like a full-time athlete. And so he's essentially just rehab all day, every day for the last few months coming back. But yeah, it's just a little bit of confidence, probably a little bit of, of mobility, a little bit of just getting strength back. Um, I mean, like in the qualifiers when they had to do the overhead squat, that was, I don't think that he had touched anything even close to that overhead yet. And so that was a little bit of a stretch. We didn't really know how qualifiers were going to go, but I think he can, I think if he could get through that, he can get through just about anything. Yeah. Stacked field. What are your yeah. thoughts on Yella Hoste and his finish at the games? Wheelhouse, wheelhouse workouts, or is he like, is that like, I feel like I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it deep enough to think, but like what comes to mind is like Guy Mayeros, like seventh place finish or eighth place finish 2021, was it? Where it's like, whoa, those were like the perfect workouts for him to finish like that. Is I feel that... like he's like a, a perfect model of Brent, right? An early Brent, Brent first onto the scene, did incredible in his first, first year, has had largely successful years, but some years falls a little bit further back. And I think mm-hmm. that that just that leans into the idea that if you're that big and that talented in certain areas, that you're always going to be a little bit subject to programming. And so Mm -hmm. I would, my guess without knowing him super well is that he's going to be a guy that might be in the top 10 one year and the top 20, 25 other years, but will overall have a super successful career. Like he's incredibly fit and talented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even like the, I think the most impressive event for him, for me from him was the ring muscle event on the final day. Right. Like he held up with the, I think he had a top 10 finish in that workout, top eight finish. I I feel like there wasn't enough to me. There was like no inverted capacity. There was that Mm -hmm. skill, like the inverted skill medley. And I feel like we missed out a lot on the games. Like who, who actually can't do handstand pushups for more than a minute at a time. Um, So with, with the exception of that, and, and that affects that affects more than a couple of people on the leaderboard, probably right, on right, both right. sides. Yeah, I'm excited to see him at uh, at Rogue. Excited to see Dallin. Is Tia Claire really? Is that she really has a hyphenated first name? Tia Claire Tumi Or. She's thought, double hyphen, bro. She's double, double hyphened up. Double hyphened up, bro. They they I should make it a I slash. Thought, I thought Claire was her. I don't know. I thought it was like I don't know what I thought. I just didn't think it was Tia Claire was her first name. It's kind of cool. It's a good. Tia Or good Claire. Do you think this is the most exciting uh, build-up to an off-season event in history? Given that Laura won the games, Tia was out, Tia's coming back for this, and then given the top Jeff, Roman, Ricky, I mean... That's pretty... Yeah, I mean, I would... Justin's not going, I guess, but... I would say it's... It probably should be, but I don't know that it's been marketed enough to me for it to be like, oh, crap, this is crazy exciting. And is it going to be a letdown if the programming's super strength biased? And It'll be like- a letdown if the programming's not super. I want to see a very, very well balanced test because of who's in the field. Like, I want to see is Tia actually fitter than Laura? Is Ricky actually fitter than Jeff? Not just, oh, Jeff won because of the programming, or there weren't deficit strict handstand push ups. So Laura beat Tia. Like, I want, I want it so balanced that we're like, holy shit we don't know what to expect for the game season this year. I, do we, and I, do we know who's programming it this year? Josh and Spieler, I think Chris again, again. No, I think I, it's, I think it's Josh and Dan, Dan Bailey and Katie Great. Henniger. I think that's what it was last year too. I think it's the same group. No, Chris Spieler programmed yeah, it, was, it. It was Josh and Spieler and Katie. Year. Oh, it was. 
I thought so. It 100% was because uh, Josh and Spieler were on site. And I remember okay. seeing them and they had a, a few interviews about it. Um, I, yeah, I hope that they recognize like, holy shit, this is who's in the field. Let's take advantage and like create some excitement. Um, Who do you, th- what do you think? Uh, do you see Katie's post of the like circus dumbbell? Oh, I didn't. You know, we trained a lot on that leading into the games. We, we talked a bunch about something like that coming up too. I'm just curious what format makes sense for that so that it can be heavy enough to be exciting, but not either dangerous or a little bit ridiculous. I don't know that you can do on rep max. Maybe you do some sort of speed ladder. Oh, it's that a speed ladder would be cool. It, it's gotten knurling on the grip. I'm I'm zooming in on it now. That doesn't it doesn't look like the handle's thicker. Like they have circus dumbbells on their website. I think they call them monster bells or something. And they've got a super fat handle. These look like they have almost a standard handle. The one on the left looks fatter. Yeah, the men's one. Oh, is, is that what it is? Is it a men's I versus guess women's? My assumption when I looked at it was that that was a men's and a women's, and okay. they were they were showing a comparison to what a fifty pound dumbbell 50? size is. Yeah. Oh, it's like a 170. Oh, Maybe. dude, that would be awesome. And super cool. Let me pull it up. My internet took forever. Yeah. Those would be sweet. They just look cool. Yeah. Does that change anything about anything or just the aesthetic of it? Depends on the movement, I would say. The size of it, I think, will too. Yeah. Like, if you watch strong men do a like a, a shouldered overhead with those dumbbells, they almost have to rest ahead of it against their neck and sort of offset their body a little bit because of the size. I think it changes where you hold it, changes some of the balance. Like, I don't think that it means you can't train with a regular heavy dumbbell, but my guess is that it's going to feel quite a bit different. Thoughts on uh, Tia? coming back i love it it's super exciting super do you, exciting do you think it do you think she's a shoe in to win or do you think there's a legitimate oh. chance that she doesn't win like would I she come, would she choose to come back if she's not going to win the event oh. and does it I, matter if she doesn't that i think those are all great questions and ones that i cannot possibly give an accurate answer to i would imagine i don't see her or at least I didn't used to see her as like the kind of Matt athlete where she only shows up if she knows she's going to win. And if she doesn't, she's pulling out. I I used to see her as the athlete who's like, Oh, I'm feeling good now. I want to get back into it. I need to get ready for the season that I'm preparing for. I'm going to, I'm going to go to rogue. Uh, I think she believes she can win. I think she probably can win. I don't think she's a shoe in to win. I think Laura is probably, poo in the pants a little bit like oh shit i won the games tia's coming back what if she's ready to come back and i would imagine that's beneficial for laura training to go into rogue it probably I don't think laura gets shook by stuff like that really mm, i, I think, think that she's a little shook maybe but i think like the idea of whether or not somebody's going to be there that's going to be her doesn't cross her mind she just she just trains her ass off and goes out like she's been saying that her goal is to win the games for the last few years and she's been damn close i feel like she's not is She's one of the few people who I spend time in the back with or like around her camp and stuff. And I feel like she just, she's just doing her thing. I saw this to a few other people. I think that she should show up to rogue with her first place medal from the games, go up to Tia and say, Hey, beat me this weekend. I'll give you my, I'll give you the fittest on her title from the games this past year. 
because you know what's going to happen. Winner take all. If Tia <laughs> wins Rogue, people are going to be like, I mean, people have already said it, but it's just going to be like, okay, Tia was gone. But here's what I think. Tia Claire Toomey is, she's ready. I think she's one itching to compete because she hasn't competed in a long time and she's a competitor. She loves to compete. So I don't think it's necessarily a, hey, I'm ready to go win this thing. So I'm going to go do it. If I wasn't ready, I wouldn't do it. I think she just wants to compete again. Yeah. But I think, I think with, and I'm an idiot, but I think that she's a shoe in to win. She was so much fitter than the rest of the field for the past six years, five years, four years when she's been dominant that I think she's going to walk in. It may not be an easy win. Oh, dude. She just dude, had a she's baby. She's so much fitter than she a She just had a girls. baby, bro. But what things do you think she's – what, she might be limited in top end strength a little bit? So that's one event, maybe two, where it's going to come into play in any significant way? To be honest, I don't know shit about having yeah. a baby. I don't, I don't even, this, These are my assumptions of like – of all of the things that I they're going to test and that she's good at, yeah, perhaps something like that. Like a lot of midline or it like feels, a joke. It feels like a no-lose situation for her, though. Yeah. If she wins, she wins. If she loses, she just had a baby. And I think that's why fifth. she's competing. Yeah. I feel like she. I feel like they're aware that, like, yeah, if, she, if I don't win, then, like, okay, nobody's thinking twice. Right. Oh, man. I don't think she's a shoe in, but I definitely think she can win. And I think that's, it's really exciting. Uh, what I'm more excited, I don't want to say maybe more, but what I'm maybe equally as excited for is watching Brent at Rogue. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of guys that I'm excited to see. Like, I'm excited to see Tudor Magda at Rogue. He had his rookie year at the games, didn't make it back this year. Crazy strong, really talented at certain events. Like, I'm curious to see if he just had a really shitty semis, if he was sick, if he had a bad prep. Um, it's cool to see guys like that for a second time. I do hope that Ricky beats Adler for Roman. And I'm really bummed that Roman can't compete at Rogue because of his foot. He is no, competing. he is competing. Oh, he is? Yeah, they're all competing. Oh, dude. Then that's way more exciting than Tia Laura. Are you kidding me? With all yeah. that with all that gossip, bro? With all that beef? Dude, they oh should get it up, too. They, they are? No, they need to. Jeff needs to show up on check-in with a T-shirt that's like – something in referencing Roman's post, like the dirtiest players here or something like that. And they just need to ham it up. I think Roman should make a shirt that just says Jeff's a pussy. I think that'd be a sick shirt. <laughs> just, just <play> <laughs> Dude, CrossFit, Dude, these guys have to get better at talk. How funny would it be? Like when, like this year at the games, when Dallin showed up with like a Clemson Jersey, um, making fun of funny. Jason, he should have just showed up with a shirt that said Jason's a pussy. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I would have thought that was funny. Do you think all else being equal, do you think the guys that came off the games are at a disadvantage compared to the people that did not compete at the games because of time off and preparing maybe just relative to relative to what they're capable of not saying that they're going to lose to somebody that came out of the queue. I don't. And do you think they care? I guess. I think it depends on the athlete. I feel like a lot of athletes approach coming off the games differently. Maybe. Um, I feel maybe. like if I'm if I'm one of these guys, and I guess we kind of have the conversation with Ricky too. And if I'm one of these guys, I'm looking at it as like the end of my season is the games and Rogue. Mm. They're the two biggest payouts, massive opportunities. I would almost rather take a slightly shorter break after the games, get back into a peak, maximize rogue, then take a longer time off after that. Because Wadapalooza, you can go do on a right. team. It's a festival. Right. It's fun. Right. Like this is the second Seriously. biggest payout of the year. Yeah. It's a massive event. 
that we talk about almost as much as we talk about the games in terms of like what implications this has for who's who's better than who going into the offseason. I think likely games athlete has the advantage unless you're in a position of like Ricky or or Tia where you should have been at the games and should have been on the podium, but for an odd circumstance you weren't and now you've had this uninterrupted lead up to Rogue. Yeah. That they definitely advantage like, Ricky like advantage Chandler Tia. last year. Exactly. Advantage Chandler. But in every other scenario, advantage games athlete because you have the experience of coming off the games, disadvantage athlete that qualifies for the qualifier and hasn't been to the games. For sure, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I have never heard any good shit talk at a competition, at a CrossFit competition. Like not even a you fucking suck. It's It's got to be Jeff learning words in Russian to say to Roman. But that's not even, dude. I like when we when this whole thing came out, it made me cringe because I'm like, if Jeff talked shit to me, I would just laugh and be like, "What? You are terrible at talking shit." With like his, I don't know. I just I I can't. <laughs> like, there's better shit talk at your local pickup basketball court, and I wish that's how shit talking was at the games. But it's it'll never happen. I don't think. Too many Noahs. Too many Coles. Too many hey man, dudes. that's not cool, guys. That's not cool. Which is fine, but I like shit talk. Yeah. Who um, is there? Anybody on the women's side that you're particularly excited to see again? Like whether that's again or for the first time. I would, we would have to pull aside, back for, aside from Tia, I guess. We would have to pull that list back Whoops. up. JR wants me to address the wall facing handstand pushups in the qualifier. And if that mm-hmm. means that we're expecting some sort of deficit strict or wall facing strict at rogue, I would hope so. Co- yeah, me too. And Kotler also put in the comments how they've always had strict handstand pushups more often than not strict deficit in some capacity. We got to think too, like, so they use those, the, the whatever those deficit blocks were at the games for the echo press right. event. They right. haven't used them since it's a rogue product. If they want to push sales at all, they've used parallettes multiple times. They haven't used these before. It would make a lot of sense to use those. And Yeah, and the wall-facing deficit's only been done once in competition yep. at the games. I wouldn't be surprised to see it here. Um, I'm excited. Let's see. Scroll scroll up a little more. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Um... Do you think Alexis has a chance to uh, like repeat the performance she had at the games and threaten for oh. a podium stop spot Alexis Raptus yeah to be honest I'm not that ex- I'm excited to see like like Tia and Laura or I'm excited to see how Tia does coming off like the baby that's what I'm most excited about other than that I'm like and this is not an offense to like how electric the women's field is going to be I just don't have anything that's like whoa that's exciting like I am about Roman and Jeff and Ricky coming back I just think that them like Roman you know, and I just think all that beef makes it so exciting. I wish they would. I wish these athletes would like take the Logan Paul approach and market the fuck out of like these battles. Oh man, that would be great. They, that would just drive viewership so much. Yeah, I think seeing what Alex can do will be fun. Potential. She just has so much potential to see if that keeps climbing will be cool. Seeing if Ariel Owen can continue to stack up performances i mean what she's done in the sport is insane and so if she can continue to do that i mean that's a really cool storyline but it's cool to see both the fields are so stacked is exciting because i think that's part of what wadapalooza has become less 
heavy, top heavy in the individual field. It seems like through the past two years or past years, last year, especially more on the women's side. So to see a bunch of top women competing together will be cool. Um, Cause it seems like less elite women at the top of the sport want to compete uh, and during the off season. So both will be super exciting. Yeah. It's, I mean, the men's side from the qualifier, having Jason, who's obviously been top 10 guy at the games, like underperformed relative to our expectations of the games. Now we get to see him compete again. Travis, who's been there for a long time. Tudor, who's young and up and coming. Victor Hoffer, who's probably the most talented, like young athlete out there in his specific realm of the sport, like with the gymnastic stuff. I think that's a really exciting crew to see come in through the qualifier. Is Colton yeah. going? No. no. Wow, why not? Do you think he got invited? No, and he didn't qualify. He did the qualifier. He just yeah. didn't, didn't get through. The only hard part about Rogue is I feel like the field is always really stacked, but because sometimes it just feels like it's more of a showcase, Rogue showcase and the crowds aren't that packed, it always feels like the atmosphere doesn't quite live up to the elite-level talent. Do you guys feel I don't like know. That? Last year at Dell Diamond, me and JR were there. It, like that final event was nuts. It was really? it was it's fun. Yeah, it was sick. That I think at that venue. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool. I just think because it's not a week long festival, there's not as many different I mean, there's only twenty people competing in ten strong men total. Right. You just don't get the volume of people and it's a pretty big stadium. So it's just hard to pack. Yeah. It is, but at the same time, all those people there are focused on yeah. those twenty people. 100%. So it's it's cool. I, I thought it was cool. Um, and enough people there to, you know, you no, know I, I was talking to JR when we were there, actually, I remember this, sorry to interrupt. No. Uh, <laughs> I had the thought of like, I had been going to like a lot of Knights games, which is like the minor league baseball t- team here in Charlotte. And I'm like, wow, I bet the minor league team that plays in the stadium fills this place out way more than like the 20 best CrossFit athletes in the world. And that's hilarious and kind of sad, but the case. No, it's definitely exciting. I'm just more thinking the atmosphere of the night and like Wadapalooza when the elite mm-hmm. are going mm-hmm. and the field is not even close to what this is because right. it just has that atmosphere that levels to with the, the talent. So, but you have how many people compete at Wadapalooza over the right. week? Yeah. And then yeah. if, you just, if every one of them just brings one person as a friend with them, 100%. So much. Yeah. Yeah. I think if these athletes would sell their, sell their event a little more, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like it's, Look at the again. I go back to like the Logan Paul. Like, what do these athletes do to sell their event? They're like, they a video of them hitting a jerk PR and they're like, can't wait for Friday or like ready for Rogue <laughs> while like Logan Paul's calling his opponent like a bitch and like posting a video of him like hitting his head against the thing in the sauna. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish they would do stuff like that and then the stadium would be fucking packed and they could probably sell pay per view passes to these events. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that in CrossFit. Do you think, do you think if an athlete decided to take that approach, they would get fined or like blacklisted by some of these events or like CrossFit maybe as a whole? Like if Roman took the approach where it's like, fuck it, I'm going to hype the games up so much just by shitting on Jeff. And he just like once a week so. or once every two weeks, you don't think CrossFit would care? I don't, I don't know. Like, like, hey, man, be a good sport. Not, I don't think they would. Not with Dave in charge. I just like what what sort of grounds would you even have to do that? Unless he was making death threats or he's coming at his family or something like what what guidelines does it does it fall outside of? You know, 
None, I guess. I guess I just don't know why. Like, remember when when uh, Pat and Brent they all tried, like, used to try to do that with like the open humiliation. Yeah. Like whoever it was, a Jason Carroll was in it as well. But they're like, was it was like some shit talk, but not like great. It would be know, cool I to have more of it. it. It would be. It would be. I don't know. I think everybody's just afraid because the most of the media that surrounds things is always like so positive, and if somebody says anything controversial they get attacked immediately. And because the circle's so small, that's, it's not a scenario where like all publicity is good publicity. It's like you say something wrong and it's bad publicity in our space. It feels like. I don't know. I think they should just embrace the, uh, the clicks, the views, embrace it, embrace the thumbnail, baby. Just fucking go off Roman once a week, make a post. Just Jeff sucks. The only reason Jeff won is because I got hurt. (laughs) We'll have, we'll have Ricky nice start sending out some messages. He that, could do Ricky it. Is, it's it's just no cunt words, dude. Just don't no, say it, It's a cultural thing. It's I a know, culture it's, thing. Hey, it's my favorite word. It's my favorite word. I think favorite. Yeah, maybe top three uh, next to front tail, but that's more of a phrase. And I learned it recently, so I haven't fully adopted it yet. But I think Ricky's a great shit talker. We'll bring back the old videos where he's doing the, doing the games workouts from his house while people are doing them there and beating the scores. Exactly. Yeah, that was. I, I guess I missed that. That was like the one person to kind of do something like that. But it. But I think the reason it goes unnoticed is because it did never come to fruition. Matt retired. True. And intentionally, as he came back, he kind of wanted and needed to soften the image so that he could be beloved by people in the space again. Yeah. I don't know. I think he should have just. I, I think he did the right thing, but I also, it would have been cool if he was just like, nah, fuck all you came back and took third or second or whatever. All right, Ricky, people love you now. So we can, we can people go, love you now. Let's go back, baby. It's time. Call us cunts. And on that note, Kiefer, thanks for joining. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me guys. Thanks everyone for watching. Uh, we'll be back next week.